Welcome to the Unnamed Murder Podcast. Murder Podcast. Sorry guys, it's been a bit of a while, isn't it, since we last heard from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been busy bees, haven't we? <laughs> went, to, went to Glastow. Yeah, and, we uh, did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so, so we've uh, taken a little bit of a break and I hope you don't mind. Yeah, you know, it's like our summer holidays, if yeah. you will. You know, like kids get six weeks off from school. We've taken a little bit of time off yeah. for podcasting. We hope you don't mind, but, you know, we need time off work too. Yeah, guys, come on. You Can understand? you stop being so <laughs> horrible to us? We're trying here. No, we're joking. We love you really, but we're back. So, you know, hip, hip, hooray. I know round. you've been really pining for us. So. They have. Here we are. So... I know exactly what will cheer you up. Little Quizlet. Yes, I love a Quizlet. Okay, and this was um, very well researched and not done in just uh, five minutes mm. because I forgot. Mm. So, get ready. <laughs> so, Ellie, first question mm-hmm. true or false? Right. Do most accidents in the UK mm. happen at the workplace, as in like person accidents? Oh. As opposed to, like, traffic accidents? Yeah, like, you know, if a person, like, hurts themselves accidentally, you know, not a murder, not a disease, okay. an accident, is uh, it most likely to occur in the workplace? I feel like the you wouldn't ask me that if the question was yes. Okay. But I'm going to go yes. <laughs> You're wrong. Oh, no! You were right to think that I would ask you that if the question was yes. Oh. Okay, do you want to guess where is the most common location for accidents to happen. Okay, let's have a think about this, guys. Um, okay, I don't think it's going to be like walking around on the street. It's the pub. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> the most accidents happen. Yeah. In the bathroom. I mean... At home. At home. Okay, yeah, in, the home, in the bathroom. I was going to say be. in the bath, because the don't bath. like loads of people fall over in the bath and die. Yeah, no, that is true. But yes, it is the home. Yeah. Okay. So, every year across the UK, there are approximately 6,000 deaths, like, by accident in the home. True or false? Oh, um, 6,000. I think it's more false. No, it's 6,000. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I'm doing so poorly. Oh, my God. I've got you, haven't I? You really got me. And actually, just looking a little bit further into this article, more accidents happen in the lounge slash living room than anywhere else in the home. So So even more wrong. Wow. more wrong about the bathrooms. Okay. So, true or false? Mm -hmm. More women than men over the age of 65 die by accidents in the home. Mm. False, I think it's more men than women. No, it's more women than Oh men. my god! So I failed the entire yeah. Quizlet. However, among children, it's more boys than girls. True or false? Oh, why are you saying however? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, however. Because that's the opposite of... Yeah, so why would you say that if that wasn't the case? I'm going to go, well, true. That is true. Okay, excellent news, I got one right. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> Oh, Bibble, you, you didn't do that well. I really didn't do that well. No. I oh. thought I thought because, like, oh, no, because women live longer than men. Yeah, that is true. More but time to be- have an accident. Because all the men are dying from accidents. 
No. No, they're not. Oh, well, that was that was very good. I like that. Okay, like, thank you. Lots of research or not, that was a really good quiz look. <laughs> thank you. I wouldn't even know that you just did it in the last five minutes, what? you know. Oh, would you not? Oh, my God. So, I'm really happy about that. Yeah. So, guys, tell me how, tell us how you did. Like, did you do better than Ellie? I mean, Obviously. you can't have done much worse. <laughs> Unless you got zero. Unless you got zero. But, yeah, Ellie's right. I framed the last one in a way. I thought maybe framing it that way, you might think that I was being, like, extra like double double negative uh-huh, i know uh-huh. what i mean or did you go easy on me yeah well who knows anyway moving on i liked that thank you you did mm. good and i hope the listeners enjoyed that too they love our quizlets they do um so what are we doing today so so this is our new series and we're going to be talking about cults cults and I love talking about cults. Yeah, I find it really interesting it's so interesting it's yeah i always feel like i'd be one of those people that just definitely wouldn't be in a cult but actually when you hear about them you think they really do get to anyone don't they're just they? normal people half the time half and, the time and to be honest i because i think the kind of reason why we got into talking about true crime is the things that we find interesting about criminology and psychology and yes. i think for me the things that i find so interesting about crimes and criminals themselves is the psychology behind it yeah so talking about cults and those people like you know the people that are kind of in charge of the cult, like yeah, the, the cult, cult leader. Sorry, yeah, that's the right word, isn't it? How they have like this influence over people. I find that really interesting. That kind of personality type. Yes, I it really is. It's that. like that you can have like just this much power and get people to do whatever you want and tell them. Like I just find that very odd. It's the power thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, that's what we're going to yeah. be delving into a little bit. And we're gonna I feel s- like someone could hit me with their car and I'd say sorry. Like <laughs> the opposite of a cult leader. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I feel like I'm so apologetic. And- yeah, like we did the psychopathy test. I wonder if you can do like a cult leader test. Yeah. How good of a cult leader would you be yeah. coming to BuzzFeed soon? Yeah, and we'd be like zero. And then it'd be how good of a cult follower are you? And it's like 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're going to start off with Charles Manson and the Manson family. I think probably one of, if not the most famous examples of a cult, I think. Mm, I, I would think say so. probably the most. Everyone's heard of Charles yes, Manson, I feel like. They have, it's yeah. a big kind of household name, obviously for all the wrong reasons, but we're going to talk a bit about um, in the beginning. Well, we thought we'd split it up into two episodes because yes. there's so much to talk about in yes, this. Yes, there is. We thought we'd start off an episode talking about him and his life um, and how the family kind of got started. Yes. And then we'll do a separate episode as a part two, kind of about, you know, the, the murders. The murders and, and how that kind of evolved. Yes. Perfect. So stick around and we'll get right into it. So today we're going to talk about the childhood of Charles Miles Manson. We are having a bit of a debate as to whether we think it's Miles or Mills. There's two L's in it, so I, I see it as like Mills, but it probably yeah. is Miles. I don't know, it's unusual. Millie's? Millie's. <laughs> Charles and Millie's Manson. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, but we're talking about him, and I'll let the beautiful Ellie start us off with a bit thank of background. You, thank for you, thank Charles Manson <laughs> was born on the 12th of November 1934 in Cincinnati, Ohio. His mother was called Kathleen Maddox and she was just 16 years old when he was born and he never knew his father who was married to another woman. Shortly after his birth, his mother married and gave her son a legitimate name because before his name on his birth certificate said No Name Maddox. What if I'm very unusual about that? It was said that Kathleen was a runaway and a neglectful mother. Apparently she once exchanged young Charles for a beer at a bar and left him with a cocktail waitress that she and she didn't collect him for several days. 
So we're not just talking like a couple of hours, like, yeah. la, 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 play behind the bar. No, like, days. Yeah, that's quite unusual that that was okay for currency, that she swapped in for a beer and the barmaid was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, what? Well, wasn't it, like, up until the, like, early 30s or 20s or something, you could post children? Like, you can send them through US mail. And so there's pictures of, like, mail carriers with, like, a bag with a baby in it. Because you could post a baby. Why would you put the stamp, you know, like on the baby's head or something? Yeah, it must be on their head. Yeah. That's what you'd have to, isn't it? You can't exactly put them in a box. That's so unusual. I didn't know that. Mm, that's, that's, a, another fun fact. fun fact. yeah. So his mother was arrested in 1939 for armed robbery when Charles went to live with an aunt in West Virginia while Kathleen was sentenced to five years in prison. So this might be the kind of first start and influence of Charles's kind of yes. criminal life from seeing exactly. his mum in and out of prison quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, and also the neglect that he had. It's a very unbalanced family life, isn't it? He doesn't really have though, that support network And she was so young him. she had him, you know, she yeah. was still a teenager. Still a so there's something that somebody who isn't really, not fully matured as a yes, person. Yes, 100%. So he went to live with his aunt Glenna, uncle Bill and cousin Joanne, who was three years his senior. So that okay. was the kind of home that he was in. Maybe a bit more of an adjusted home. Kathleen was eventually released from prison when Charlie was eight years old and she took took a job in the town her sister's family and her son were living in. After that, she did gain full custody of Charlie, but learned while she was imprisoned that her son had become delinquent and man- manipulative. So in the time that she was away, obviously that's, that few years really, really did affect Charles and he yes. just became, you know, showing some quite strange delinquent signs of behaviour. Yeah. Um, acting quite strangely. Yeah. And it is, I think you're right with what you're saying. I think having that sort of unbalanced childhood where he is going from different home to different home, like obviously he was with his mother, then he's with his aunt and his uncle, then he's back with his mother. And she's in prison. And she's in prison. And I think he, yeah, he hasn't really settled. Yeah. So she soon decided that Charles needed a father figure. So she went out looking for a husband. She married Lewis Cavender in 1945. He was a war veteran and a circus worker, but unfortunately he was an alcoholic and um, kind of caused even more discourse in the family after that, which kind of wasn't really what she was aiming for. And I think she didn't really know at the time that she met him, but... There's obviously still that instability. Yeah, so things are going from bad to worse. Yeah, it's not going well. So Lewis, his new stepfather, and young Charlie had an abrasive relationship and Kathleen would turn on her son in favour of of her new husband in kind of arguments and stuff so she was never really on his side charlie was sent away to a catholic boys school in Terre Haute, indiana well charles he wasn't pleased about that you know he didn't really want to go away he liked where he was at the time living with his aunt you know taken away from that unit that he kind of got used to um to another different family unit then to be sent away to a private school he he didn't like it no again he's never had a proper family that he's settled into, has he? He's been yeah. shifted from one place to another. Yeah. He did actually refer to the school as a torture chamber. He spent most of his adolescence in ju- juvenile detention centres, schools for wayward teens, and in prison. Charles's mother, Kathleen, in California for a yeah. few months. Um, it wouldn't be long before Charlie was back in prison for stealing cars, parole yeah. violation, mail tampering, check for fraud, and pimping. Oh, God. So he's kind of starting out as a child, like, doing some weird stuff. Probably, like, the trifecta of a murderer. Like, what is it? It's, like, starting fires, um, causing um, small animals harm and wetting the bed. Is that right? What's the third one? I don't know. I feel like it can't be wetting the bed. There's three things. I feel like being a... Because the other two are just quite... You know, starting fires. I think that it might be wet in the bed. No, I don't know. If you know, like, what the trifecta is, let us know. Let us know. Because it's like, 
or if they're showing these signs, okay. it's not good. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that, but yeah. I would I would be surprised if it's wetting the bed. It's definitely starting fires and like causing harm to small animals, like killing birds or like frogs or yeah, I don't know, small like mice and stuff. <laughs> killing birds or frogs. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it just sounds like you mean if you um kill anything else, that's fine. Like. It's no, because, to kill like a rat. Because in childhood, they'd obviously yeah. go for something small that they no, could catch easily, that. like a little I rat. Do get, no, I do get that. I do you know what's interesting is when we were doing the uh, Marcel Petio mm-hmm. case, he also started with all that male stuff, didn't he? Like tampering with the male. That seems to be a and the a common um, pigeons. He yeah. killed, killed those pigeons, yeah. didn't he? But yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. So. As a child, you know, he's starting out with the light stuff. He's just being manipulative um, and kind of showing some signs of psychopathy. But as he's getting into kind of adolescence, and he's got to his 20s now. He's a full-blown adult. He's getting into serious stuff like pimping and like check fraud and stuff like that. Just to circle back. (laughs) um, Let's take the pin back out, shall we? Yeah, you are correct. Yeah, so it is. It's, I don't know how you pronounce this, it's, Aneuresis is unintentional bedwetting during sleep persistent after the age of five. Mm-hmm. This bedwetting must continue twice a week for at least three consecutive <laughs> it must. months. It must, yeah. <laughs> and you're right, it's arson and cruelty to animals are obviously the mm. other two, and this is called the McDonald triad. Yeah. So, yeah, I apologise for ever doubting you. There you go. Uh, so, never laugh at me again. Yeah, never. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, so, um, Rosalie, with her new char- child, Charles Manson Jr., decided to leave Charlie and headed back to her home in West Virginia. During Charles's time in Los Angeles, he also fathered another child, Charles Luther Manson, with... Um, oh my God, why is he naming all of his children? I don't after know. him. That should be number four. Charles Jr. Charles, Charles Jr. Jr. That's just, no. Yeah, um, with one of his prostitutes or sex workers that he took care of. Yes. But I feel like it kind of wasn't somebody who was doing this of their own volition, yeah. though. So the, the baby was born after Charles was incarcerated. And Charles would have kind of an on and off relationship with his mother after this. I mean, they had a turbulent relationship anyway. But after he kind of like was in and out of prison for a while, she would kind of in one breath be like oh you're my son I've got to take care of you you know I'm here for you now I'm done with my husband and then in the next breath she'd be like so super inconsistent she'd be like I want to move away from this I never want to see you again and so even more instability in his life knowing that the only person who was close to him in his life didn't want anything to do with him yeah well I heard that she said like later after all the crimes were committed that she felt she because she wanted to make up for the neglect, would often give him everything that she, that he wanted. Yeah, she said that she overindulged him. She she said, I think that made him overconfident. He never had to take a fall, not till he was a grown man. Everything was handed to him, I admit. So, yeah, she's quoted as saying that. So I don't know how true that is. Like, how true I feel like that is. Do you reckon he was over and Do you reckon she did overindulge? Think, maybe it was a... I think maybe more of, like, not um having any consequences perhaps yes not ne- not necessarily overindulged um with like material goods yes, or I see what you having mean. experiences i think it's more indulging somebody's um kind of right Sense and wrong of self and, uh, yeah, yeah i think he, that's probably probably what it was he could just get away with anything and there's no consequences and yeah i get i guess because i i feel like that seems a bit yeah i guess in that way that maybe it is that combination of having the complete instability in his home life mm. as well as not feeling like there's consequences to any of his actions, not really having anyone to teach him right and wrong. And you say, if, if they did, if they were on and off throughout their life, his relationship with his mother, then maybe it is because she always 
would take him back to a certain extent no matter what he did yeah so it's like you're the only person in your life you can do no wrong you're gonna feel very powerful aren't you yeah um and i it's clear that at that point that charles had the mentality of a man that could like do no wrong um and any woes of his life were like to blame on others so everybody else you know was doing wrong and he was the only one who was doing right because that's what he's been grown up to know Yeah, so he would blame anything that went wrong on other people and his lack of accountability. It kind of turned into a bit of a resentment after that. So at first it was kind of like, ugh, nobody does things the way I want. And then it kind of turned into like, okay, everybody's wrong. I'm right. Kind of included not just the people around him, but like people in power as yes. well and kind of society as a whole. And his kind of resentment and hatred, it, it, it got bigger and it kind of fueled yes. this big fire of, you know, him against the world yes yeah he definitely had that mentality where he was very narcissistic in the way that i think he thought that he deserved a lot from the world and if the world wasn't giving him that then you know it's like a spoiled child it is it's, it's like, like a little brat i deserve all of this i'm not getting it everyone in the world is wrong apart from me mm -hmm. and so faced with no familial support he took to collecting young people around him he wanted to procure a family of his own yeah. so he started with uh, mary brunner lynette Frome, and patricia krenwinkel yes. um he would travel from place to place and even turn his hand at becoming a musician on the la music yes. scene he met beach boys drummer dennis wilson who would open the door for charles to write a song for the band so you could say things are going quite well at this point i mean he's He's got this family of people that he's just collecting kind of, um, what's the word? Not against their own will, but maybe, you know, a... He's manipulating. Manipulative way. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. He's kind of coercing people to join his family. And I doubt that it was done kind of like, yeah. you know... I think it was way. said in... I think I've read... I think I've read... I've read the book, How to Skelter. <laughs> Ignore me. It's, it's, it's so Have hot. Have you ever read guys. that book, Sophie? I don't think it sounds like you've read that book. I have read the book, How to Skelter. And I think in the book or this might be from another source but that he was very good at sort of knowing what people needed or were lacking or what they didn't have in their lives and he would kind of use that to manipulate people into joining the family like sure. he would he could basically hone in on very vulnerable people yeah. and get them make them feel I guess loved or wanted or well, yeah, needed because he's been in that position before yes. he was he's trying to be the person that he needed as a child he's trying to be this kind of like almost like a father figure like give them everything that they need give them a support network teach them you know the things that I believe that's yeah. what he wanted and that's what yeah. he didn't get and I think also teaching them this sort of fuck the world mentality where mm. it's like okay well everyone that's against us mm. is wrong we are the we are the chosen people we're actually doing what's right mm you know the rest of the world doesn't know what they're doing we need to do this and do that and i think that yeah he got, he got into their heads he basically made them feel like they were living life as they should and the rest of the world was completely fucked yeah um which at the time it kind of was yeah. so the small group that he had kind of amassed at that time frequented um somewhere called the hate which was a san franciscan neighborhood where they would volunteer for testing at a local clinic run by charles's probation officer where they would regularly take lsd and methamphetamines for scientific study wouldn't yes. that be fun charles's personality became inflated and abrupt and he became very vocal about his extreme beliefs he had adopted amassing yeah. audiences at parks and campuses charles would weaponize his ritual drug test taking and use it to take control over his new followers turning them into vessels to manipulate
and it said as well that Charles would always take a lower dose than yes. his family so he basically coerce them to like join together take loads of LSD he would only take a little bit so that he was still kind of like in control yes. everybody else would kind of be super out of it ready for him to like you know trickle all of his ideas into their exactly. minds while they're in this yeah. state of like exactly he would get them so off their face that they would just believe this gospel that he was saying and yeah. yeah he would take less and be in control he was the one that could speak the message and it would make him seem more coherent than everyone else he would be the one that people would be drawn towards i guess yeah and this is kind of like the late 60s kind of like the summer of love time where yeah. i think people were kind of like out there looking for something a bit different than the mainstream yeah. i don't know I mean, yeah it's the woodstock era isn't it isn't it yeah so they're looking for something a little bit different a little bit off the beaten track so here's a group that are doing things a bit differently they're taking drugs you know they're believing kind of extreme things it might be quite attractive to people who were a bit wayward perhaps I think it was, because I guess they saw it as this freeing lifestyle, Free, isn't it? Yeah. It was, they just lived... They travelled from place traveled, to place. travelled, and then they would, like, take their accommodation on a ranch and just mm. take drugs and probably, I imagine, listen to Charlie Manson play music on the guitar. <laughs> I'm laughing as I say it, because I can't imagine that he was very good. Maybe he was brilliant. Well, he wrote a song for the Beach Boys. Well, he wrote, yeah, but not when they played, was it? Um, yeah, they changed the name of it, I think. Did he actually? Yeah, we've got to find out what it's called. Oh, we'll find out what it's called. Put I quite like the Beach Boys. Put oh a pin God. in that. Oh my God, how embarrassing if I like actually find out that I've been jamming to a song. That well, he loved the that's... Beatles and so many people love the Beatles. So, you know. Yeah, but you said he wrote a song for the Beach Boys. Yeah, but he also loved the Beatles and everybody loves the Beatles. Yeah, but he didn't write for the Beatles. No, but I'm just saying his tastes <laughs> aren't that weird. Well, no, okay, I mean, yeah. music wise. Yeah, no, okay, um, fair fair by 1968, they eventually settled in Southern California, by which time they had grown their family to over 20 members. So Charles's main goal at this point was to indoctrinate the family with his eccentric, religious, racial and political beliefs. He would become increasingly influential yeah. and controlling of his family members. Charles's love of music and obsession with the Beatles led him to adopt the song title Helter Skelter yes. to describe his planned race war. He had brainwashed his family to believe that the black population of America would rise up and kill the white members of society, except for those under Charles's watch. But he made them believe, right, that they couldn't do it without his help. So yeah. they're not going to kill anyone in the family, but you can't look out for yourselves. You've got to have me with you. Like... Everyone else is going to die at the hands of the black population of America. First of all, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, sorry for my language there. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> oh, God, we've just lost 20 listeners. Oh, we've got to make uh, that an explicit episode. Uh, oh, sorry, guys. With that uh, effing and jeffing. Yeah, and jeffing. Um, just throwing that one out there. Yeah, so basically he would yeah, say to them that there's going to be a race war. You've got to be ready. If you're in this group, then they won't come for you. We'll be fine. Everyone else who's white is going to die, but not us, as yeah. long as you stick with me. Yeah. So he would basically try and amass more people. If we talk a little bit about how he would like try and get these people into his family. He would travel in this little bus that they kind of, I think it was a school bus. What now? It was an, old, an old school bus. Okay. Basically and travel from town to town. I think there was one where he like settled for a little bit enough to make friends with the minister who invited him round his house for dinner where he met the minister's daughter and convinced her to run away from home and join the family he would go did she yeah oh, he would go it. to um other towns as well where there were like the campuses of schools and he would like send a few of his little family members off to the school to go and recruit so he would do that so regularly so he got to like a fair what yeah, was he, he like 20 to 30 yeah. people I mean, it's more friends than we have. Yeah, right? 
God damn it. Um, I'm not going to say icon or anything no. like that. No. Um, but obviously his methods of doing so were, they weren't honourable, were they? No, they weren't honourable. He was known for his physical and mental abuse. He would organise pornographic movies at the ranch, the Span Ranch, that they were at, or Span Ranch, um, featuring members of the family, kind of, you know. Oh, God. Yeah filming them and stuff um he would also organize sexually motivated group attacks followers in the family to yeah recruit new members at schools and kind of other public places where he saw vulnerable children and um yeah coerce them into joining his family yeah so he basically went around you know decided you know found vulnerable people yeah. made them take loads of drugs oh, yeah played loads yeah, of yeah. music and mm. took them to the ranch and yeah expanded his fa- and it was one of those things you couldn't really leave afterwards could you like yeah. and you'd be so disorientated I feel like mm. like your brain chemistry is not going to be the same after and a lot of the members of the family as well I think got together so we have we have such a tight-knit group here of people that pretty much don't leave each other's side I mean it's what you think of when you think of a cult isn't it it's people who don't trust the outside they're kind of all breeding with each other how are they making their money they're probably like selling these pornographic films they're probably committing a lot of crimes to make some money or you know stealing yeah as well not doing the honorable thing are they not known for it so do you want to know the song? <laughs> I can't remember right. what it's called. But oh, yeah, I've looked it up. Okay, go on. Go so on. apparently, Ken, you are correct. No, Why do I not listen I to you? Apparently his song, Cease to Exist, mm-hmm. was restyled and renamed by the Beach Boys as Never Learn Not to Love. So if you know that song, apparently sure. that was written by yeah. Charles Manson. And apparently Guns N' Roses later recorded Manson's Look At Your Game Girl. So, yeah, he did write a couple of he did write a couple of songs. I find that weird. Mm. I always kind of thought that he was obviously really into music, but probably wasn't that good. And that when he was speaking to, you know, Dennis of the Beach Boys, that and they were good pals, that he would be like, oh, yeah, Charlie, that's a great song. I'm definitely <laughs> going to record that. But maybe it got too deep and they just did it because they were like trying to shut him up. and they were kind of yeah, Exactly. They're like, something. OK, maybe he'll just like leave us alone if we. But yeah, no, so he, apparently, didn't, he didn't get very far in that sense of like the music world because um i think that's no. the kind of one of the things that pushed him over the edge a little bit is because he would he would like bask and try and get into like um record producers um like offices and stuff but he didn't get very far with it no. so maybe yeah like i say maybe that's something that tipped him over the edge a little bit yeah. so he can't have been that good eh? no exactly so that's all we have kind of talking about the early life of charles manson and yes. procure procuring his little family so I'd like to know what you think of this. Yeah. And then in next week's episode, we're obviously going to talk a little bit more about what happened afterwards, The more about specific members of the Manson family, yeah, we'll more about the murders. Well. Yeah. So, yeah, listen in. Yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you have enjoyed this week's episode. Yes, a two-parter. How exciting. Lucky you. So stay tuned for next week where we, as we said, we're going to be going into more detail. As usual, please rate us five stars. We would absolutely love that. And you know where we are. We're on everywhere you can listen to podcasts. So do, you wanna, do you want to read them out, Els? I know you're so good oh, at Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, Podbean. Spotify. Castbox. Anchor. Amazon Music. Uh... 
Oh no. Google Podcasts Google and Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Good Pods. Podbean. Have I said Podbean? You've said Podbean. Um, have I said Castbox? No, probably... Castbox. Over anywhere that you can listen. Anywhere to you can listen. You can listen. We're there for you. Yeah. Love you guys. Day and night. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.